It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for Indochino. Well, I love 40s. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 600 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, November the 9th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We have got the Locked On NHL channel. If you are looking for hockey content, we have a fantasy show, a national show, and I think 25 local shows now covered off with just a few left to finish up. And it's uh, it's really, really great over there. If you're looking to dive back into hockey, I cannot possibly recommend a better way to do it. I know I'm biased as the person who recruited the host for the network, but I think the people all doing the shows over there are fantastic. So if you're a hockey fan looking for some good coverage of your team, please make sure you are checking out the Locked on NHL shows. And if you find a show on the network anywhere that you want to support, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. It is very much appreciated, and uh, thank you for taking taking the very small amount of time it takes to do that. All right, on today's show, bit of a bittersweet show. The Raptors, of course, pulled out a 122-104 win last night over the New Orleans Pelicans on the road to begin their five-game road trip and move to 6-2. and two. And the good stuff in the game, namely Pascal Siakam tying a career high with 44 points and OG Ananobi putting up another 21 with seven boards and four assists, a block and a steal, five of seven from deep. That stuff's a little bit overshadowed by some not-so-good injury news as Kyle Lowry left the game at halftime and will be out a little while here with a thumb fracture on his left thumb. It is his non-shooting thumb, the same thumb he had surgically repaired in the offseason. Apparently, it's not tied to that at all. It's just a different injury. And Lowry actually thought that the injury was just like a uh, like a nail thing. His nail got all black and blue uh, after he took a hit in the first quarter, and he came back out, hit two threes, one of the pull-up variety, and that just speaks to the nailsness of Kyle Lowry, I think, that he was playing with a broken thumb and still came out and hit a couple threes in the second quarter there as the Raptors scored 45 points on the Pelicans to put the game away. 
pretty quickly in that quarter, and then Kyle left at halftime, and then Serge Ibaka, just like a minute before halftime, uh, sprained his ankle as well. Pretty severely, it sounds like he was in a lot of pain. He could barely put any weight on it as he was walking off, and that's not great, man. This is a team that is not terribly deep. This is a team that you know, has in the past, in recent iterations of the team, been able to withstand injuries to the likes of Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan if you go as far back as 2014-15, but this version of the roster does not nearly have the same depth, and that's concerning. So on today's show, we'll sort of break down the ramifications of the injuries, we'll get into the um, you know, the, the end of bench guys who stand to benefit from this the most. We'll talk about Norm Powell and his role in all this, who, you know, was really, really good last night, just his second good game of the season, but uh, pretty encouraging stuff from Norm last night, and he assumes the role of the starting two guard, I would assume. He started the second half um, next to Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt, and, you know, the precious trusted eight has been now whittled down to five with a couple of those guys not even performing super well lately. So uh, we'll get into that and sort of how the rotation should bear out. Also, we're going to lighten things up a little bit by uh, talking about Siakam and OG. My God, they're so damn good. And last night was just a a delight to watch Siakam with the 44 points on 17 of 28 shooting, bombed 5 of 10 from deep. Just remarkable stuff from Pascal Siakam. OG was great too, so we'll get into that. Also play a little uh, mashup of Jack Armstrong's best reactions to things Pascal did last night. He was emitting some wild sounds (laughs) during that broadcast, which, by the way, was one of the best broadcasts of a Raptors game I think I've ever seen. You had... Jack being all excited and happy and giddy and sort of jacked up, I think, by being in New Orleans, no pun intended, uh, one of his favorite cities by all accounts. And also the the whole thing that happened in the first quarter break when uh, Sam Mitchell farted and the entire break was the three of them, Rod Black, Sam Mitchell, and Leo Routens, unable to speak because they were laughing so hard. That shit ruled. That's the best analysis I've ever seen. And uh, just a perfect night for the TSN broadcast last night. So we'll get into that a little bit and then we can kind of wrap up by uh, sort of projecting forward what the next few weeks, maybe a month, are going to look like without Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. And let's just dive into that now, I suppose, the, the instant ramifications of the injury. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As I record this podcast, it's coming down that Kyle Lowry has a fracture in his left distal phalanx in his thumb. I don't know what the hell that means, but he will be reevaluated in two weeks which is kind of a optimistic timeline, and maybe there, you know, obviously reevaluated doesn't mean he'll be returning, but but that's not a terribly long timeline, so that is positive. Still not exactly sure 
about Serge Ibaka and his ankle. Obviously, Nick Nurse said it was very severely sprained after falling on OG's ankle last night. You know, just an unfortunate play where he goes up and just lands on the back of OG's foot and comes down. One of those sort of freak plays, and I hope Ibaka is able to come come back because, man, he was looking really good last night. He was 3-6. of six. He had 8-6 and six in 12 minutes. He was continuing his excellent start to the season on track for another big scoring output, I think, and to see him go down really saps the Raptors' front court depth. I mean, we can kind of get into in a sec what it's going to look like for some of the end of bench guys, but this is mostly going to put a lot on the shoulders of Marcus Saul, who once again last night, just five points on one of six shooting, seven boards. He was still a plus 17 to lead all starters, and he continues to have the best net rating on the team. So clearly things are working when Gasol is on the floor, even though his offense has not yet come. But it's going to have to now, man. His stroke from three has been, you know, up and down this season. There have been some games where it's looked really good, some games where he's looked hesitant, some games where he's just bricked everything. He's going to have to rediscover some sort of third option mentality on offense as opposed to just deferring all the time because the Raptors are slowly dwindling in terms of guys who can soak up usage and Pascal Siakam can only do so much and it's going to be a, a really telling couple weeks here I think for Gasol as well as for Fred Van Vliet and, and Norman Powell. I mean these guys these three are part of this trusted five that remains from last year's team that Nick Nurse really seems to rely on and it's going to be fascinating to see how both Fred and Norm react to having to fill in for Kyle Lowry. I mean, Lowry's been absurd this season. We don't have to rehash the the greatness of Kyle Lowry, but, you know, this is going to be a real test for not just the next few weeks for, Kyle, for, for, for Fred and, and Norman Powell to sort of figure how they figure into the rotation after Kyle comes back, but... This could be very telling for their futures with the team. In particular, Fred Van Vliet, who obviously is a free agent this season and started off incredibly well, had that 34-point game that I think he's still kind of riding off a little bit in terms of reputation, and he's not really been that good since then. He's been pretty bad in a lot of ways. You know, he's you know run the offense pretty well. He had 11 assists last night. That's great, but his shooting has been a nightmare, and his first step is very clearly not the same since he sustained that ankle injury near the end of the third quarter of opening night. And this next little while here where he has to run the offense without Kyle there to help him and without Kyle there to step in to run pick and rolls when things really get down and gritty and they need to run a Siakam-Lowry pick and roll to sort of open things up, you know, Fred's got to do that. And he has to you know, find a way here to re- rediscover that shooting stroke because it w- it's not been good. Last night he was just 3 of 15. He was just 3 of 10 from downtown. He is down to 52.6 true shooting on the season, which is not good and not something you want from your lead ball handler. And how he takes on the Kyle Lowry role as the very clear you know orchestrator of the offense is going to be fascinating. I'm sure he's going to have some help here from Pascal Siakam taking on more of a ball handling duty. And, you know, maybe that's a way for the Raptors to open things up a little bit. Maybe we see some, like, Siakam OG pick and roll and stuff like that, where OG's the screener. OG's been excellent as a screener so far this season. Siakam has been as well. And I wonder if maybe that's a bit of a pet play they can run out, because OG on the roll, considering his improved playmaking and his vision and his timing, maybe that's a nice way to sort of offset Fred as well and, you know, take some of the burden off for Fred Van Vliet and have him operate off ball. Maybe they space a little bit by having Siakam and OG run that pick and roll, and then you can have Gasol, you know, space to the corner, you have Norm around the wings, maybe that's a way they can kind of work things around here, but, you know, that if we're already talking, or if I'm already talking about ways to get the ball out of Fred's hands, that's not particularly encouraging, um, and not exactly a great indictment of what he's been doing so far this season, 
Um, you know, I still have faith in Fred, and, and like betting against Fred is pretty foolish, I think, but he's not really performed super well lately, and, and I think it's going to be a real test of what his medal is as a, as a lead ball handler and as a potential starting point guard as Kyle is no longer in the lineup for the next few weeks here at least. And then Norm, I mean, it was great to see Norm last night have a great game. He was a plus 28, 18 points, 6 of 10, looked more comfortable. And this might be a bit of a blessing for Norm as well, as we maybe see him occupy the role that I've said a thousand times on the show, and I'm sure you're sick of me hearing me say it, but as the fourth or fifth guy in a lineup who can attack closing out defenses, it's just like the thing, it's like a broken record. He hasn't had that opportunity so far this season, and maybe, just maybe, in this starting five with Fred, Gasol, OG, and Siakam, he can be the low-usage guy there and take advantage of, you know, defenses that are out of position, and maybe this is how Norm kind of kickstarts his season. I still believe in Norm as a valuable role player on this team, and I know people are very out on Norm. He's become sort of the whipping boy. He's like new Terrence Ross um, with less dunks, and so... I understand the sort of consternation with how he's played so far this season, but this might be good for him. This might see him sort of level up into a into a role that he's more comfortable with. He's going to know what he's doing every single night while Kyle's out, and whether he can sustain you know anything while Kyle's out of the lineup, I don't know. But if he can, maybe that changes how Nick Nurse approaches the rotation going forward this season, and maybe you know this is a chance for Norm to earn that starting two guard spot if he can prove that you know this is in fact where he's most at home. And then when Kyle comes back, maybe they reevaluate things there. So that's uh, that's something to keep in mind for sure. Look, this injury sucks. This this team is not super deep. This team is not equipped to handle two major injuries to part of their core and. You know, especially with how well Abak has been playing to offset Gasol, you've had some games where, you know, Abak has been the choice to close games and it's been totally warranted. I think Gasol is going to have to close pretty much every game now and he's going to have to be much better and crisper and sharper than he's been so far this season to make that viable. But he's going to have to play a ton here because I don't think there's a real sort of option instead of Gasol to, to run at center unless they get super creative and start playing like OG and Pascal at the five and sort of rely on some of their pseudo depth on the wing. I mean, there's lots of bodies on the wing. I'm not sure there's actually usable depth there particularly, but you know, it, it's going to be a real test for Gasol here as well to see if he can kind of get out of the hangover phase and get back to sort of Grizzlies era Gasol. Cause this is really what the time where that's going to be called for. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's not ideal. I don't think this means the Raptors are toast. I don't think this means the Raptors are, you know, going to change their sort of course this season. I do think the first eight games certainly proved that this Raptors team is one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference and should compete for, you know, a second round. And, you know, if the trajectory of Pascal and OG continues the way it has, maybe they can even be sort of a, a sexy pick to make a conference finals or even slip through to a finals if things really break right in the bracket. Um, you know, um, that's the optimistic end of things for sure, but I don't think that's one of the outcomes. I don't think that's like an unrealistic you know, 99th percentile outcome or anything like that, that could be on the table here if Siakam and OG are actually this good. And, you know, it's, again, the 6-2 and two start where the Raptors, I think, are fourth in net rating in the league. They're top 10 in both offense and defense. The offense at seventh is actually ranked higher than the defense at 10th right now. And, you know, the start, I think, has proven that this can be a really, really good team. And I don't think if over the next month here, the Raptors go 500 or slightly below it, that it means, okay, now they're going to reevaluate what their plans are and maybe sort of look more towards selling. I think they've proven so far this season that this is not a team 
that you're going to sell off. This is a really, really good team, and it can be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, one of the top three or four. I know Miami's really good now. I know Boston's off to an excellent start. I think Toronto is just as legit and just as viable a potential sneaky conference finals team as both of those teams are, and that's not a team that you sell pieces off of at the deadline, and I don't think this injury and the fallout from it in terms of record over the next little while here is going to change that. Um, So I I know there will be quick people, you know, the wind horses of the world who will jump in and say, oh, these injuries might open the door to the Raptors trading people because people really, 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 really want the Raptors to trade people because it's the only way in which this trade deadline might have any sort of intrigue. But I don't think what happens here over the next few Lowry lists and Ibaka list weeks is going to change just how good this team can be. And I, and I don't think, you know, if they go 500 over the next little while here or slightly below that they can't just rack up wins in the back half of the schedule because, you know, it's it's more home heavy as uh, as the schedule goes along here. They've had a pretty road heavy schedule, especially after they get through the, with this road trip. And, you know, when you get into December, hopefully around the returns of Lowry and Ibaki, you do have a lot of home games, tougher opponents to be sure, but a lot of home games where you can kind of rack up wins. And so, yeah, th- this is not a death knell or anything like that to, to this team. If they lose more guys, then yeah, things could get problematic, but I, I still think with the schedule coming up, yes, they have the back-to-back against the LA teams, which is probably going to be pretty tough to navigate, um, but after that, the Raptors have, you know, the Blazers game, which the Blazers are very much gettable at this point. They, you know, lost with Dame scoring 60 last night. I don't think that's as tough a game as maybe it seemed when they started out this this, this road trip, and then they play Dallas to close out the trip, and then they come home, and they have Charlotte, Orlando, Atlanta, Philly, and then the the Knicks and Magic over the next few games to close out the month before things get more difficult but more home heavy in December so like this is not a unweatherable part of the schedule for the Raptors so that's sort of my early impressions of what this injury is going to mean for the Raptors and sort of the immediate guys who are going to have to level up and, and sort of step into roles and really be tested I'll get into some of the end of bench guys who might see their roles uptick a little bit here in just a second but first I want to tell you about my bookie you know me this is my favorite time of the year you got sweater wetter you got leaves in the ground and you've also got threes going in from downtown that is right for some it's fall season but for the rest of us it is ball season pro and college basketball are tipping off and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag if you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot try a parlay for instance if you like a couple of the big favorites this week parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout i'm not saying to bet against the raptors in these two la games but if you wanted to bet against the raptors in these two la games bet on the la teams parlay those together and you can get a much bigger payout either way if you're going to bet this season do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win also the ncaa is back in action right now so if you think there is a team that you you want to ride and sort of roll through the season with bet on them every single time out there are some teams who are going to win like you know 80 90 percent of their games why not bet on them every single night and try to make some money use your basketball knowledge to prove what you have at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie is going to double your first deposit. Use promo code locked on NBA to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on NBA to double your cash. So if you deposit 50 bucks, guess what? You're starting off with 100 bucks. That's an incredibly cool offer. Go to mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid with mybookie. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, 
an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, so the first part of the show focused largely on the negative aspects of the Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka injuries and also the immediate sort of pressure being put on some of the guys who we're not really sure about right now. But there's also some silver linings to this thing, too. So let's kind of roll through some of those silver linings. Again, they're not really silver linings. They're more like a muted, like stainless steel. But it's still, with it being this early in the season and there being so much runway for the Raptors to work with here, this is not a death knell injury or a pair of injuries. This is not something that's going to derail their season, I don't think, assuming the injuries aren't you know prolonged. There's not setbacks and the Raptors can get Kyle and Ibaka back sometime in you know December. Again, we don't really know what the timelines are just yet, but I'm guessing based on sort of just conjecture and precedent with injuries like this that it shouldn't be too crazy long until they're back in the lineup, at least with Kyle. Surge, we'll see about the, the severe ankle sprain. But either way, there's some stuff that can come out of this that is good. First of all, it might force Nick Nurse to finally, as it did last night, expand his rotation and really get a look at some guys. You know, mixed returns last night from Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis and, and Matt Thomas, who really took on the brunt of the minutes load uh, in response to the injuries. Boucher played 14 minutes, which is one of six. He had five points, eight boards. Um, again, had a very loud block, as he typically will have in pretty much every game he plays. You know, I'm not terribly thrilled about the Chris Boucher experience. I don't think he's proven much against NBA players, and he kind of just might be a fringy superstar G-leaguer who doesn't really fit in the NBA, but we're going to find out now. You know, he rebounded well last night. That's encouraging, and that's going to be big. You know, Bach has been great on the glass so far this season. Boucher is going to have to fill in there. It's going to have to be a bit of a gang rebounding, chipping in to, to make up for what Ibaka does on that end, um, which I think they have some horses. Considering how good OG has been rebounding this season, that might help mitigate the loss of Ibaka here a little bit, um, and Chris Boucher is going to have to do that as well. And Boucher, you know, as much as I didn't think he was great on offense last night, he was pretty instrumental to the Raptors' defense against the Pelicans. And the Pelicans are a tough team to defend because they're constantly running, just running down your throat nonstop. And they held the Pelicans to an offensive rating of 95.4 last night, and Boucher was a pretty big part of that. You could see him communicating pretty well, getting back quickly in transition. I thought that was a nice, encouraging sign. Um, as, you know, I'm skeptical of his defense because I think a lot of his sort of like Hassan Whitesidey showmanship defense, as opposed to actually good team defense. But it was nice to see him communicating and working well within the constructs of what the Raptors do defensively last night, and so that gave me a bit of encouragement there. I also think this might finally be the time we see Rondé Hollis-Jefferson get some run. You know, with the lack of front court depth, it just feels like he has to play at this point. And he missed last night because of the groin soreness that he's been dealing with on and off throughout the season. Um, and I'm not sure even what his state of health is right now. But assuming 
Pascal Siakam, you know, continues to play, you know, close to 40 minutes a night, there's going to be at least a few minutes there where he's slotting over to center, I would think, you know, whether it's closing games, if Gasol gets into foul trouble, whatever it might be, I think there are going to be some Siakam at center minutes here as they probably play pretty small with like a Fred Terrence Davis backcourt or something like that, and then go OG maybe Rondé and then Pascal at center. And, you know, there's going to be an opportunity somewhere here for Rondé, I would think. Just by default, it's going to happen. Whether it's him or Stanley Johnson playing at the four, I think I'd rather see Rondé. Rondé seems to have a little bit more in terms of touch. And as chaotic as he is, he seems to be a little bit more willing to play within himself as opposed to Stanley Johnson, who I think has very much drawn the ire of Nick Nurse this season and sort of the comments about, guys looking for their offense and not being part of the defense that just based on what we saw in the preseason I think that probably applies more to Stanley Johnson than it does to Rondé and Rondé has like other skills outside of offense you know he's switchable on defense he you know can pass a little bit he's got some ability around the rim and I think maybe if you're looking for someone to be a screener for Pascal that might be a guy you can throw throw there too if you want to keep space and have Rondé sort of adopt the role of a, of a dive man that's maybe an option here it's gonna happen I think we're going to see some Rondé over the next couple of weeks here at some point, whenever, whenever he's healthy. Um, and so that I think that's sort of what the rotation will look like in the front court. Gasol is going to play probably close to 30 minutes. He played 29 last night. I don't know if it's smart or wise to throw him 35 minutes a game. He just He's 34 years old. That seems like it's probably asking for trouble down the line for him. So if you can keep him around 30... Maybe you slide Siakam over to center for, you know, six to seven minutes at the most. Maybe even get some OG at center if you really want to get kooky and weird. This is going to be quite a time of experimentation for Nick Nurse. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some OG at center lineups, um, especially if you want to just have him be, you know, a, a dive man and have him screen. He's been really, really good at that so far this season. So maybe we see a bit of that. But if you're looking at the rotation, like I said, 30 or so minutes for Gasol, maybe you get 10 or 12 out of Chris Boucher. And then you slide Siakam over for a good, you know, six or so minutes at center if you really want to get creative. And then you find some minutes there at the four for Rondé to get in, whether it's like eight to ten minutes. That might be, you know, all you need from him. And maybe he can sort of pop in there. And by the time Kyle comes back, maybe you're looking at a guy who you can actually have be part of the rotation to help limit the minutes load that all these guys are dealing with. And then, you know, from there with Rondé and and Boucher and, and Siakam and Gasol probably rounding out the front court, you can kind of survive there. You move towards what the backcourt and the wing situation is going to look like. And I think this is probably the more concerning area in, in the wake of these injuries. Obviously, Lowry is so good. He drives everything this team does that, that they do well. And, you know, without him playing either at the one or the two, there's going to be a serious void of creation, of aggressiveness, of free throw uh, acumen and all that stuff that the rest of the crew is going to have to try to fill in. You guys saw Norm get to the line five times last night. That was encouraging. Hopefully you can see Norm sort of adopt some of that Lowry aggressiveness that we've seen so far this season to replace a little bit of that. You're never going to fully replace Kyle Lowry, but Norm maybe has that side of the game that he can offer. Um, And then Fred, you know, after him, I'm not sure what happens in the point guard situation. Maybe we see those Pascal point guard lineups, and it was really encouraging reading Eric Kareen's piece at The Athletic today as he was talking to Pascal Siakam about sort of the demand that's going to come into play with him, with Kyle being out, and Siakam seems up to the challenge, and this is another one of those silver linings, right, is maybe this refines Siakam in a way that it wouldn't have happened if Kyle was still out there to sort of be a foundational pillar of the offense. Maybe Siakam's going to be forced into some situations that are going to be uncomfortable at first, but 
every test he's faced so far, he's passed with flying colors, and his handle seems to be tightening. I mean, there were a couple instances last night where you know Kenrich Williams is totally up in his grill and he completely cooks him and gets to the line, gets gets to the rim for an and one, and it, you're just seeing the incremental steps in his on ball ability every single night. And so maybe this helps fast track that a little bit. And then by the time Kyle comes back, you have a more fully formed and deadly version of Siakam as well, which is fucking terrifying considering what he already is. And so maybe that's a bit of a silver lining too. I think there's a chance that by the time Kyle comes back and Serge comes back, you're looking at a team that is a little bit more fully fleshed out. It's not just forced to rely on those seven to eight guys. Maybe a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson or a Malcolm Miller or a Matt Thomas or even Chris Boucher or Terrence Davis pop, and you're looking at a nine or ten man rotation upon the return of Kyle and Serge, and you're not you know sitting there just sort of forcing yourself into playing those guys a shit ton of minutes every single night just because there's no one else you can rely on. This might finally give some guys the platform to earn Nick Nurse's trust, and I would hope that Nurse is going to, you know, give them that opportunity and not just ride the five guys he has left that he trusts into the into the ground over the next few weeks here. I mean, I would expect we're going to see some heavy minutes totals for Siakam and OG, um, which is good. I think, you know, those guys playing a ton, you're not too, super worried about. They're young, they're spry, you know, I think they can handle it. It's the rest of it that's a problem. And this spell without Serge and Kyle might help them long-term in terms of sort of knowing exactly the ways in which they're going to limit the the exposure of Lowry and Ibaka and all those, and Gasala and Fred and all those guys who are playing a shit ton of minutes right now. Um, this might help the Raptors in the future figure out the, the, those rotation questions that have been nagging them so far this season. So there's that. There's also the Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi element to this. And as I mentioned sort of already, Siakam being forced into a situation where maybe he's going to face some situations he hasn't before as a, as a primary ball handler and a primary option without Kyle Lowry there to be the number two to defer attention and to take pressure off and to help put him in the situations to succeed. Instead of having that where Lowry's putting everything on a platter for everybody, Siakam's going to be the one who has to put things on a platter for people. And that's exciting to think about. You know, there are going to be growing pains as there have been, you know, with his turnovers and his fouling and stuff like that, although the fouling seems to have curbed a little bit over the last couple games here since Nick Nurse called him out. And look, I'm not expecting the Raptors to be fine, hunky-dory, everything's going to go smoothly without Kyle and Serge. That would be ridiculous to expect. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see Siakam do a 2014-15 Kyle impression or a 2017 DeMar impression where in the absence of the co-star on the team, he kind of just takes it upon himself to ramp up the usage and completely carry the squad. And yes, it's not as deep a team. There are not, you know, a million bench guys who can come in to help chip in who you trust. And, you know, the it's we're not really sure how deep this rotation is going to go in terms of guys who Nick Nurse is going to be able to rely on for nightly performances. It might even just be like four guys you can count on right now until until we see more from Norm. But there's a real chance here that Siakam is about to do something special. You know, we saw what he did last night with the 44 points, 10 boards, 4 assists. Like, just stupid what he's been doing so far. His efficiency, he's the exact same true shooting percentage so far this season that he did last year on nearly 10% more, uh, 10 percentage points more in terms of usage. It's just absurd what he's done, and we might be able to see something special brewing here with Siakam over the next few weeks. So if you're looking for another silver lining, you get to watch the Siakam show, and that is... Just truly, truly just delightful. And I mean, and I mean, if you want to hear what the Siakam experience can sound like and could be like over the next few weeks, let's just listen to Jack Armstrong and what he said and or emitted last night as Pascal was carving up the Pelicans. 
Siakam corner three, rattles it in to the three, bucket and book it. My goodness. Spinning finger roll. Pascal. Oh boy, that's not good. Pascal backing inside step. Oh man, what a move. 41, a chance for 42 at the line. Well, I love 40s. <laughs> that is a little, little boy right here. A little finish. Look at this right here. Oh my goodness. Put that baby in a brown paper bag. God, what a goddamn legend. Uh, what what can you say about Jack Armstrong that hasn't been said yet? Just a perfect broadcaster. I love him dearly. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to hear more of those oohs and ahs and over the next little while here as Siakam takes the reins. And look, the efficiency might go down. We might see the true shooting fall. But we also thought the true shooting was going to fall just as he you know, got to play with Kyle Lowry this season and was taking over the number one offensive role. And it hasn't yet. And so maybe we're just about to see something truly, truly transcendent from Siakam that we maybe couldn't have foreseen before the season. And that is exciting. And also he's paired with OG for this next little while. And OG is like... It's just it's just normal now. We're eight games in. We're at you know ten percent of the season is behind us, and we're getting close to the point where maybe this is just the OG we should expect every single night. He's been remarkable. He's just his defense is through the roof. His offense is becoming more and more confident by the day. He's just brazenly firing threes with people in his face. He was five of seven last night. He's at fifty four percent from three on the season. Look, that's gonna drop off. And the Raptors I think are surely in line to see a fall from the top spot in the league in terms of three-point percentage. It's been, you know, they've been fantastic. The looks they've been creating have been super clean and good. And, you know, a lot of it is tied to Siakam and OG taking this step up from downtown. And, you know, I would assume that without the help of Lowry there to facilitate everything, it's going to fall. The looks are going to become more difficult. But, but even with a slight drop-off, I don't think we're going to see OG and Siakam take fewer threes. They might be more difficult looks, but I still think their touch and their stroke have been just remarkable so far this season, and having Gasol out there still helps create good looks for them. And, you know, I would expect a slight drop-off. Siakam's at 41% from three right now, in addition to OG being north of 50. I would expect by the time Lowry and Ibaka are back, those numbers are going to dip. But, you know, the, 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 the place they're starting from is so ludicrously good and high that even if they drop off a pretty significant amount, they're going to be still probably above average and still able to sort of carry the offense for the team. So um, just a unbelievable 3-4 pairing. We talked about OG yesterday, but like having those two guys as your foundational pieces going forward, it's really, really special. And to see OG take this step this season changes the calculus for a lot of things in the future for this team and also changes maybe what they're capable of surviving in terms of injuries to Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. So I think that's probably where we can leave it for today. I think this is obviously not ideal to have Kyle and Serge out and this next little stretch of the schedule here before they get back home is going to be tough. But I also don't think this is any sort of you know, thing that's going to derail the season or make people in the front office alter how they view this team. The East is shitty enough that they'll be able to climb back up the standings whenever they do get healthy again. And also, like, this could double as some load management for Kyle. He's been playing in crazy minutes. No better way to, you know, take his minutes down than to have him sit out for a little while. He'll still be able to condition himself with this thumb thing. Um, And so while it's not a, you know, a positive that he's out, there are some 
tertiary benefits that might play into the long-term health of the season, the health of the team this season that maybe we're sort of overlooking right now in sort of the, the shock period of losing Kyle after such an amazing start for him. Um, I would hope this doesn't derail Kyle's all-star chances as well. It might, which sucks, but I think if he can get back in a few weeks here, he still he still should have enough games played and enough in terms of production and reputation among the coaches and all that stuff to, to still to still get in there. Um, Siakam, I think this is only going to further advance his all-star and all-NBA case down the line as well. So it's not all doom and gloom. I don't want to be me and say it's fine, but... Long term, I do think it will be fine. This will be a bit of a, a road bump that we look back on in you know March, April, whatever it is, as a, sort of a, a very telling time for the team where we learned a lot about them. And maybe we'll learn bad things. Maybe we'll learn that Fred Van Vliet is actually just not equipped for this number one point guard job. And hey, maybe that changes what they do in the future. But, but I think this can be a very informative and useful testing period for the Raptors as they figure out how this team is going to look when the season gets more important. I mean, Raptors fans know this part of the season doesn't matter. This 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 is not the time we need to worry about losing a guy for a couple weeks. Yes, it's unfortunate. Yes, it was a delight to watch Kyle Lowry. And any time you don't get to watch Kyle Lowry, it, it's not fun and it sucks. But ultimately, I think there could be some benefits to come out of this as well. So that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, just go watch Pascal Siakam's highlight reel from last night and listen to Jack Armstrong uh, react to it. It's It'll cheer you up damn well. And uh, enjoy watching what is going to be a fascinating few weeks here for the team. We'll obviously keep you updated. We're going to have an episode, I think, tomorrow or Monday morning talking about the Lakers game plus the Clippers game to come. And we're going to chat with Lewis Keene from the Unstatable newsletter and a whole bunch of places. One of the very best Clippers people there is out there. He's going to join me and we'll get into that probably on Monday and then we'll keep tabs on the road trip all throughout next week and that's going to do it thank you so much for tuning in please subscribe rate review all that good stuff and we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.